0: So this is experimental podcast uh, number two. This is right. Tom McFadden, and I have with me Bobby Reverend Bobby McKay. Um, and tonight, Bobby, I wanted to ask you about your interfaith research studies. Uh, one aspect of your work on spiritual life was totally unexpected for me because I've known you as a minister and I've seen you in the conventional role of a pastor leading prayer and teaching and providing care for members of the congregation. And while certainly aspects of all these roles are part of your leadership and spiritual life, what I didn't expect was that the foundation of the spiritual life program was based on research work that you had done on the spiritual experiences of people in mainstream life. And I find it very fascinating that the introduction to your book, Uh, Taking a Chance on God, was written by George Gallup Jr. of the famous uh, Gallup Survey Organization. Uh, Apparently Mr. Gallup served as co-chairman of this organization for many years after the death of his father, and so certainly was an expert in research of this sort. And uh, he referred to your work in his introduction as a landmark international study. So would you tell us how on earth you came to apply scientific research to the study of spiritual life, and what you learned from it? How it shaped the direction of your teachings about spiritual life?
1: Well, it's, it's a marvelous question. Uh, I didn't intend to have to do a, a large research study uh, because the United Church of Christ, the denomination to which I'm connected said that nobody would talk to me about their spiritual life because they didn't have one and uh, so the idea of the immense study that we did grew uh, through the process my original plan was to visit 12 churches uh, United Church of Christ churches in the Chicago area uh, and, and raise two questions of anybody who would talk to me having been warned that nobody would talk to me I was hopeful that I would get a few so so I picked out those 12 churches and and decided that the two questions I would ask would be very simple. One was was what does the word and in the beginning, Tom, I took spiritual and combined it with spiritual life. What do the words spiritual life mean to you in in a simple word association? When you hear the words spiritual life, um, what words come up for you? What, what do you think about when you when you hear those words, what, how, how do you define it through, through the language? Uh, and secondly, given this definition, um, what stories can you tell that fit your definition? And those are the only two questions that I decided that I would use in my starting study in the United Church of Christ. Well, because the denomination thought nobody would talk to me, I thought, well, I better go beyond Chicago. So I spent two years building a nearly perfect statistical sample of United Church of Christ, churches located all over the United States, large, small, uh, single pastor, multiple pastor, urban, rural, suburban, wealthy, poor, all the categories you could think of, and came up with a sample of 100 churches that fit all the possibilities that we could think of. And visited with them and out Well, first of all, a lot of people talked to us. Uh, we had at least 20 people in every single church that we visited. And we visited 100 churches, so, so we started out with a big number. And what they told us almost in unison was, indeed, they had had spiritual experiences, but they never talked about them for fear of being seen as weird, crazy, or too religious, but they never forgot them. And given this opportunity, which was so benign and so open, uh, they felt free enough to share what those words meant. And so at at the end of two years of doing that, I thought, well, my work is done. And then a a friend of mine said, Bobby, you ought to go see this Catholic priest named Jack Shea. Uh, I think he'd be interested in what you're doing. So I met with Jack Shea who was extremely interested in what I was doing, and he arranged to match our sample within the Catholic Church in the greater Chicago area. Mm. So suddenly we had the same study going into the Catholic Church, and lo and behold, we found the same results. People had experiences with the presence or action of God that were life-changing. They were transforming. What that meant was God became real. Uh, And did they share these stories? No. No because they didn't want to be seen as weird, crazy, or too religious. Well, at that point, I was on a roll, and I remembered that I had done my doctoral dissertation using Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish women. I called the rabbi that I had worked with some 20 years prior on my doctoral dissertation, and he was like a month away from retirement, but at the same synagogue. And I contacted him and said, I'm doing a study, and he said, I will help you. And we spent the next year in the Reformed Jewish tradition in Illinois and Wisconsin. And because people helped us to get a sample, we have a, a sample that is nearly perfect uh, of Catholics, Protestants, and Jews. And then I did a subgroup in the Episcopal Church just to get a little a, a little bit more data um, and at that point, we met George Gallup and uh, spent a weekend with him in Princeton, and he fell in love with our data and what we had found, something that the Gallup organization had never been able to do. And so he became a close friend and stayed in contact with us until he died uh, and wrote the foreword to our second book. So so we have an amazing statistical study that is, uh, has such a high level of reliability that it really, it really speaks for where people are. And then, just to throw in a little extra piece, we went to England and met with an organization there uh, that does research in the same area that we were doing research, except with all the world religions, not just Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish. And what did we find, of course, that they were collecting stories that were similar to our stories, and suddenly we reached out to all world religions and found many similarities. So so we have an enormously beautiful research study on spiritual life in the mainstream of uh, an interfaith community. Uh, This is a very long answer to your question. (laughs) Let me stop for a minute and see what what you would
0: like to add to this. Oh, I was just going to ask, as an interesting aside, I, I read online that George Gallup himself was interested in uh, religion and spirituality uh, in the United States and had written uh, what I think at least two books, um, Saints Among Us and the Next American Spirituality. So, in addition to his commercial survey work, it sounds like he also had an interest in exploring um, matters of spirituality and approaching it from uh, a scientific survey uh, point of view.
1: Very much so. They hadn't done <clears throat> the same kind of, excuse <clears> me, <throat> statistical study that we had done, but he was also a member of the Episcopal Church and a very devoted member and. Uh, so that was where he uh, expressed his own interest in spiritual life a lot um, he I think he was amazed that we were able to amass so much data uh, and uh and 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 then of course um the the piece uh, that really attracted him was I, I wrote a nine page questionnaire for people to fill out after we had our conversation about spiritual life and uh, the nine-page questionnaire uh, was data processed at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, Maryland. So then we had hard data uh, of what people told us in our interviews, and I think he was very attracted to the fact that we had, again, two people had gone after this subject with such zeal, uh, Mm -hmm. and we had um, hard data that that really... um, it corroborated itself between the interview and the questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a tremendous amount of validity. So he was he was just excited, and you know we were a couple of old people, and and uh, we were his age. So he uh, he really uh, he valued what we were doing a lot.
0: Well, Bobby, can you speak for a minute on the demographics of the people that were included in the survey, age, gender, race, and and then how that um, how that played out. In the research results, if I if I understand correctly, um, some of these study was aimed at you know, mainstream um, people in various faith backgrounds, but also older adults and also adolescents.
1: Yeah, we did two additional studies, <clears throat> one on adolescents and one on people over the age of sixty, and and both of those were really. Very, very interesting. Same results. People had experiences of God, but uh, that were transforming. But, but we learned uh, in more detail because I, I wrote a new questionnaire for our older population about what the experience of aging was like and how important spiritual life was or was not in the aging process. So, so we have some very interesting data about aging in America and what are the key issues in the aging process, which have changed over the last generation because families have broken up. Uh, uh, children aren't living in the same town that their parents are living in anymore. And so what used to be an assurance that I wouldn't die alone has turned into a who is going to be with me when I die my kids are located all over the country. Uh, we're such a mobile society now that, that that central fact of the family has really changed. And so people are living in retirement homes and assisted living homes, but not necessarily with the family anymore. Mm-hmm. It used to be that you lived and died with the family. That's just mostly not true anymore. Right. And as far as demographics are concerned, George Gallup particularly liked our United Church of Christ study because we went for as as accurate a proportionality as we could find so that we fully represented the diversity in the denomination. United Church of Christ is about as diverse a denomination as we have, and we we went for uh, to represent all of that diversity, uh, and and succeeded. And and George was willing to put that. Into the uh, forward that he wrote for the book, that we really succeeded in producing an, a, a study that represented, fully represented that denomination.
0: Can you, t- can you speak a little bit about how this information was captured in the study? You, know, you mentioned that people were relating to uh, certain words, certain, uh, and, and shared stories about their experiences. And you also mentioned that you had a a survey instrument. Yeah, Uh, right.
1: Well, a nine-page questionnaire is an extremely long questionnaire uh, with qualitative and quantitative questions. So when I said after each group meeting, when people shared their words and stories, I said, no, I'm I'm not going to lock the door. But would you take this questionnaire and (laughs) fill it out before you leave? Because if you don't, you'll take it home and you'll forget about it. And six months later, you'll feel really bad that you let that nice lady researcher down by not filling out her uh, her uh, questionnaire. So just take a minute now and do it. Everybody always laughed and said, "Oh sure," and so.
0: So you weren't locking. Door. You weren't locking the door, but you I were standing. You, you were standing in front of the door. I
1: was standing in front of the door. Right uh but you know it made sense because people get stuff and they say of course I'll do this and then you know you put it aside and you don't get to it and you say oh I got to do that so I figured that this was a way to be very direct about this and so of the 2000 people we had 1800 questionnaires immediately uh and uh, and and that was wonderful and the the ones where they had to leave um we didn't just didn't get those which is fairly typical. That's pretty typical in survey work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, but it was fun. Everybody enjoyed that. Nobody took offense, uh, at the reality of what it's like when you get something to fill out and you think you're going to do it and you just don't get around to it. So that was good. So we had all that.
0: So you mentioned that it it sounds like for many people, uh, Mm -hmm. there's a certain inhibition about sharing these experiences. And so, was the survey process helpful in uh, eliciting these expressions from people about their experiences? And did, do you feel that that helped people to come to an understanding of what was happening for them spiritually?
1: Well, we started in an easy way on asking people for words. A word association is a very low risk level so and you can play with that you know you can have fun with that so in our meeting we asked for a list for words and literally made a word list of these words and everybody can get into that there's very little threat in that uh when it came time to share experiences again in the open group setting um not everybody you know was ready to do that but enough people were there we could collect those stories and then they had the questionnaire to fill out and they did it, of course on their own still there but by that time they were opened up to the subject so so we got wonderful stories in the in a nine page questionnaire along with uh more quantitative questions like age uh marital status uh educational level uh membership in a church uh activity in a church so so we got a lot of that those answers because by the time people got around to that they were relaxed and feeling good and they they were doing something nice for me so that was a benefit um so so the the questionnaires were were fully filled out we asked even asked people if they would want to continue talking about this uh and what kind of setting would they like to have that happen uh so we have the factual material we know uh, in our data set, um, whether people had a high school education, a GED, uh, no high school, or whether they had a Ph.D. So we have all that, whether they were married, mm-hmm. how long they've been going to church, how long they have been going to the current church that they're attending. So we get a picture of, are you a new member of a church, or have you been around a church for 30 years? So nine pages, you get a lot of data. So,
0: yeah. So. so in studying the results of the survey... What were what were the results? What did you what did you find when you sorted through uh, the survey? And that's a large size survey. We're talking about several thousand participants. Oh yeah. Uh, for yeah. for survey of that sort.
1: Well, we found that the survey was the written form of what we heard spoken. In other words. Um, we 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 went from from words and word association into experiences. So in the nine pages, they had a chance to to try to describe an experience they had to also set up all the data information we wanted: age, gender, all, all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, and and then they had uh, a number of questions about what happened to them after their experience, their God experience. Uh, and, and that was incredibly interesting because people said things like, well, after my God experience, I became less angry or I'm living more in the present rather than in the past or the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really surprised us because those are really healthy outcomes. To be less angry is a wonderful outcome. Mm-hmm. To be living in the present instead of the past or the future is a really is, is again a marvelous uh, outcome uh from an experience so so it would appear that spiritual life is good for us good for us in ways you might not have predicted mm-hmm. uh, especially the anger piece that that i became less angry after i became aware of god in my life um that that's a terrific m- medical, psychological, spiritual result uh, for people, and and so is living in the present. Uh, so those became kind of benchmarks that we started looking for. Uh, we tried to get people to describe their experiences, but their experiences were very diverse. I mean, there were just multiple different ways. So so we didn't find as many trends that we could follow. But in reality, we've only been able to data process the, qualitative, the quantitative data. We have not been able to data process the qualitative data because um, uh, Lou and I are the only people supporting this project, and it's just too expensive mm-hmm. to get the qualitative data analyzed. So that is a rich source of data that we have not been able to get. But we can tell you with absolute certainty who our population was what their educational backgrounds were, how long they've been in church, what they wanted to see, how their ex- experience affected their lives. So we have all that data. We just don't have all the stories, right. which is what the qualitative data is all about.
0: Well, and you've, you've uh, provided access to the stories in the books that you've written. That's right. You know? So that yes they, and are, that. they are available to people.
1: Yes, they are. Absolutely. Including one book about all of, of my God experiences. So, so mm-hmm. the three of them are about others, and and one is about the last one is about my own God experiences and the the gift of what they have been in my life.
0: Bobby, what did you learn from this research that furthered your program of spiritual life?
1: I learned, Tom, that that everyone at some point in time has had a God experience. And by that, I mean some experience in which God became real. And that when that happens to people, it's a life-changing experience. When you can say, I know that God is real, then it shifts you from saying, well, I believe in God, to the reality that God exists not only in this world but in my life. And I've learned that that's pretty universal. Our sample is so good that if our sample says something like 92% of people have had one of these experiences, you know that it's a pretty common experience. Uh, So I've, I've learned that people have these experiences, but they, number one, have not talked about them, for fear of being seen as weird, crazy, or too religious. But more than that, um, have not been able to explore what that experience means because uh, it, it, it's a, a sudden surprise to think that God is real, not just something in the Bible or the Quran or whatever, but that God is real and God is real in my life. And our, our churches don't always promote that idea. So we don't hear it very much, but Mm -hmm. it's a very profound experience and it's a very profound piece of knowledge. If God is real in my life, it changes the way I live, period. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I have to learn all the rules of right and wrong. It means that if God is real in my life, it's inconceivable for me to do something that's hurtful or harmful to someone just inconceivable. You
0: can't do it. I know, Bobby, you talk about finding God moments in in your life, and it sounds like uh, these research studies were God moments themselves.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yes, Tom, that's a wonderful observation. Uh, The the whole thing was and, and, of course, knowing that people have these experiences but don't talk about them it became my challenge to find a way to help people talk about them. So that's when I started the Spiritual Life Team program, was to provide a safe place where somebody could find their own God experience and share it. And then it takes on an even newer reality when I tell you about it. Now you know. And it becomes real to both of us.
0: It's been fascinating, Bobby. I want to thank you very much for sharing this with me and with all of us. Is there, is there anything that you'd like to uh, leave us with as we, uh, we wrap up this podcast?
1: I think that mm, that's a, that's a big question, Tom. Let me think for a minute here. <laughs> I think, t- talking to you makes me realize. What a a wonderful connecting experience a God experience is because there's so many people out there that have had them but have been afraid to talk about them. So I guess I would say to anybody listening, pick a special friend that you trust and explore the possibility that both of you have had a God experience at one time or another in which God became real. And see what happens. But pick carefully. Especially mm-hmm. the first time. You want to pick somebody that isn't going to say, are you kidding? Or, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Or you're really crazy or overly religious.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I picked the wrong friend the first time I tried to do that. And, uh, and she ceased to be my friend after that because she thought I had turned into a religious nut. So So pick carefully. But just explore the idea of god being real and see what happens.
0: Bobby, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to our next podcast and we will uh we'll have to figure out what that's going to be.
1: <laughs> thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you doing this a lot.
0: Thanks a lot. Thank you, Bobby. Reverend Bobby McKay, PhD, is a licensed psychologist and an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. Her PhD is from Northwestern University in Counseling Psychology. She is the author of six published books. Bobby has led over 900 seminars and workshops having to do with spiritual life and psychological health. She's designed and completed a large interfaith research study in spiritual life with over 4,000 participants and has additional research studies in spiritual life in older adults and adolescents. Bobby is currently a pastoral associate at the Glenview Community Church, Glenview, Illinois. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to send Bobby a message or learn more about her programs in spiritual life, please send her an email to bobbymk at mc.net. That's b o b b i e m k. At mc.net. Thank you.